Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports brings well, who I think is the best shooter I've ever seen in person. Now, you're listening to this, you might think Steph Curry, you might think Larry Bird. No, no, no. Dave Hopla is the greatest shooter I have ever seen in my life. We'll sh- I'm sure we'll get into the story the first time I saw him, but uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Dave Hopla. Dave, thanks for joining. Hopefully all is well in Florida these days. Uh, everything's going great. I appreciate you having me and uh, remembering who I am, you know, one of the old heads now, you know. <laughs> yeah, off camera, we kind of chatted about a, a couple topics and, and told a couple quick stories. You just went to the gym uh, just the other day, you said, and you made 438 out of 441 jump shots in a normal speed workout. Tell me about, I think you said you're 64 or 63. Tell me about your workout routine to this day. Um, it varies from day to day. Like uh, I always get in, I do a thing called the Hopwood Challenge, which is done with no warm-ups. It's a right-hand layup, a left-hand layup, a floater, a free throw, top of the key, an NBA corner three, and an NBA straight on three. And then you got to reverse it in order. So you got to make the NBA distant three corner, top of the key, free throw, floater, left-hand, right-hand, left. And uh, I do that every morning, do it, no warm ups, And uh, it's real difficult. And like I used to do it with the pro guys. You're like, that's really tough. I said, well, that's why it's called the challenge, you know? So I completed about two out of every 10 times where you make all 14. And uh, so I start with that. Once I'm done with that, I go into one hand form shooting. I start two feet from the basket and I'll either do X amount of makes or I do a thing called ins and outs. Every time I swish it, I'll take a step back. If I miss, I take a step in. So, uh, or like I said, I might just do where it's 10 makes, step back 10 and so forth, depending on, you know, the time that I have available. After I do that, I add the balance hand. I call it a balance hand. A lot of coaches call it a guide hand. A lot of players call it a guide hand. And after I see some of them shoot, I should tell them you should call it a misguide hand because it doesn't guide the ball <laughs> or it doesn't misguide. So, but I'm all about positives. And then some coaches call it an offhand and I'd say, you don't want your shot to be off. And then other coaches call it a non-shooting hand. And that's a negative term. So I try to stay positive with everything. So I call it a balance hand because that's its job is to help you balance and lift the ball. So I'll do the same thing repeating in, you know, two feet away. And I'll freeze my follow through. When I freeze my follow through, I tell the kids, you're supposed to hold hands being four or high. I see so many players now, one hand's down, the other one, they're twisting and turning and you know, everything should stay within your shoulders, you know, and, uh, you know, two hands up and two hands down. And then I work myself out to uh, the NBA three. After I do my form shooting, I get right into either using the gun or, uh, you know, spin outs to myself. Uh, I'll get on the gun and I'll do, uh, you know, 50 makes, uh, 
and then I'll do 50 top of the key and then 50 college and then 50 NBA threes, all makes. And then I'll go off the bounce, you know, one dribble right, one dribble left, and then start going left to right, right to left. And I have all these different things I do. Uh, you know, I try to stay in somewhat good shape. So, uh, you know, I do a thing where I run five sprints, you know, down is one, back is two. I'll do five sprints. I got to make five, three throws in a row. And then I got to do four sprints, make four in a row, then three, three in a row, two, two in a row, and then one, one in a row. And if you miss anything, so if I miss, like, say I do my five sprints, I miss my third shot, I got to do the five sprints again. If you miss the last one, you got to go all the way back to five again. So, like I always tell, you know, people, it's just, you know, it's a matter of, you know, conditioning and, and being mentally tough. And, uh, you know, and then I do a thing called, you know, baseball where I shoot, I'll do nine innings from nine spots, which is just, you know, spot shooting and stuff. It all depends if I have a pass or uh I don't use a rebounder. I tell kids when you 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 catch the ball out of net, you pass for Coach Hopper. You don't rebound for me. You know, all about positive thoughts on that. You know, I love the positive thoughts on calling it a guide hand. Uh, I love the positive about it's a passer, not a rebounder. I'm going to have to steal that and use that uh, right. when I'm working with kids. But the thing that stuck out to me to me the most about that kind of progression you talked about is something that I don't think a lot of young players and I don't even quite frankly think a lot of pros do it mm -hmm. enough of is starting two feet from the basket and form shooting. Like I mentioned, you may be the best shooter I've ever seen, but you start two feet from the basket. Why is that so important to you? Right. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer. You can't make a shot from two feet. You're going to not be able to make it from 22. And what a lot of people understand, like Steph Curry's dad was a great shooter. He didn't let Steph and uh, Seth shoot threes till I got to high school. He, he kept them in. He goes, I'm sure when they went on their own, they went launched. So he goes, but they were with me. We were shooting, you know, 15 footers till they perfected. Now, the reason I always start two feet away, you have to do everything right in order to make it. So when I'm two feet away, when I shoot that ball, my elbow has to be above my eyebrow in order to make it. If I start four feet out, I can shoot more of a flat shot, you know, and it's going to be a line drive. Even my makes are going to be nasty. They're going to be like, you know, hitting the rim and everything, but two feet away in order to, to make it, you have to have your elbow above your eyebrow. And, you know, it's like, I'm down here in Florida and there's like a golf course on every corner here in Naples. I've never golfed a day in my life, but I talk to the golf pros and they say, it's the same thing putting. They start like, you know, two inches, six inch, so forth. You know, you don't start putting 40 feet away. You start, you know, and you, you get it, you know, down and then you take a step back when you're comfortable and everything. And I'm a big believer you need to see that ball go into the basket. And I'll never forget years ago um, when I was out in California, I was working out Derek Fisher when he was playing for the Lakers. And uh, we were working out at Loyola Marymount. And I'm there and he's calling me. He goes, man, I'm stuck in traffic. You know, you could leave three hours early and still be late, as you know, down yeah. in that area. And I'm like, I say, like, deep fish, you know, we only have the gym for an hour. The volleyball team's coming in. So whenever you get here, we're going to go right into it. And like when I work guys out individually, I chart their shots like I always chart mine because I, I think people need to see that they're getting better and say, oh, we had a great workout. Well, how do you get a great workout if you didn't keep track of what you did? You know, so I've always charted shots, you know, for myself and and also when I work players out. So uh, D Fish got there. And we only had about 40 minutes and I went right into the workout. We didn't do our form shooting and he was awful. And I'm saying, D Fish, you, you know, you didn't shoot well because we didn't do any form shooting. So. Even if it's two minutes, I'll get it because I want the routine to be consistent. And I always tell people consistency is the mark of greatness. You know, and uh, like Ray Allen, uh, you know, 
the great, you know, three point shooter, great player that he was. I used to work him out and, uh, you know, and when his Hall of Fame speech, he mentioned like doing the same thing over and over. Like, you know, he goes, I've been doing the same thing for 22 yeah. years, you know, through high school, college and pros and it paid off, you know, and it's, and that's the thing, you know, it's, it's consistency and repetition develop, you know, muscle memory and everything. And too many people want to like try to do a step back three and they can't even make a free throw. <laughs> yes. That's the most frustrating thing when I watch uh, high school AAU or, or youth basketball when I'm coaching my son's groups is you'll see all these, I don't like to call them this, but they are gimmick trainers that they'll, they'll sell the bag of goods as right. far as, Hey, we're working on the James Harden step back. Well, yeah. take a step back. James yeah. Harden has done 10,000 hours or more of right. the little sure. things that allows him to even attempt right. that shot and have a right. chance to make it. Yeah. You haven't even probably spent 10 hours of putting in the basics of the base fundamental footwork, right. the normal shot or, or the balance. It, it just doesn't compute. But when you talk consistency, of workout when you're getting a shooter for the first time ever mm-hmm. what are the first key components that you look for um in a shooter that your eye gravitates to that okay he does this great we don't need to touch that this needs a little bit of uh, help this needs a little bit of work let's do this for it right um you know it's a great question um what i do is i I look at it like building the house. I start with the footwork, you know, is the guy uh, on a straight shot? Well, I'll, I'll do an evaluation period and I'll look and, okay, is he one, two step? And is he hopping? Is he, tri- is he going right, left one time, left, right? I want to see, is his toe pointing to the target? Does he have a, uh, a nice base? Is he too narrow? Is he too wide? Then I'll look, you know, are the knees bent? Uh, does he bend at the midsection, bring his shoulders? Does he have his hands ready? How does he catch the basketball? Then the elbow positioning and then the follow through, you know, is the, is the follow through high elbow above eyebrow. Does he shoot and stay? Does he, how does he land? Is he on balance when he shoots? When he is he on balance when he catches it? Is he on balance when he shoots it? Is he on balance when he lands and looking through all, And the thing is like nowadays, you know, kids are such visual learners and like, you know, with the cell phones and iPads, and all, you know, I videotape, uh, I do a whole video analysis with the guy and then I have an evaluation form that goes over everything and go from there and like not everyone needs to work on the same thing so like you know you, you know some guys might be real good off the catch and shoot but they have trouble on the bounce and when i go off the bounce i look to see how the guy picks the ball up you know is he where's he picking up is he picking up on the side is he too tight to his his uh, midsection when he dribbles left does he bring his hand over does he bring the ball to his shot pocket all those little things and then uh you know building up from there and then get into game shots, game speed, game spots, and so forth. Did they break down now? Were they, okay, he looked good there. Now when he moves, okay, now this is falling apart. Okay, now we got to, you know, correct one. And I, I'm a big believer in correcting one thing at a time. You don't want to over, you know, uh, overwhelm the person with 10 different things. And I, I tell the guys, too, I says, you know, I got three things I don't like about my shot. You know, I think I, I think I shoot it a little flat at times. I don't hold my follow through long enough. And when I get tired, I follow the flight of the basketball. And I said, that's me. I said, so I, I do an honest evaluation. You know, I said, so, you know, don't, don't get, you know, take it personally, you know, till you can swish every shot, there's room for improvement. You know, you say until you swish every shot, you need to self-evaluate. Well, the first time I saw you shoot and I told you this off, off camera, 
before I pressed record is it would have been the summer of 1995. I'm, I grew up in the Vancouver, Portland area. Uh, it was my first chance to get out of the Northwest bubble and play against kind of regional talent, West coast, Midwest. Right. They were at the pump all-star camp mm-hmm. and you came in as a guest speaker and you know how most 15, 16, 17 year olds are. We got to listen to a guest speaker. Who is this? What's going right. on? Within about three minutes, I was blown away because the presence that you had in your presentation, the confidence that you had, and then as it went on in about a 40, 45-minute presentation, I think you missed four shots that entire time. Where did where did the the ability to kind of be a present presentation speaker and perform like that come from? And how long well, have you been doing that? Uh, I've been doing it now, geez, I don't, don't want to say it. 37 years now, but uh, when I started out, I was still playing basketball overseas. Uh, you know, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't a big-time player in college. Actually, I was on JV as a junior in high school, so when you're on JV as a junior, you suck. I, I tell people, it's against the law in 32 states, you know, but I stayed with it. My senior year, I was the only white guy on my team, and, uh, you know, I didn't have any offers. I went to a JUCO in Baltimore and broke my ankle first uh you know, first year. And then uh, my second year, I, I got a thing saying I was all region and honorable mention all American. I still don't know what that means. Either you're an all American, everyone's an honorable mention. all American. <laughs> but So, and then I went to a small school in Nebraska. I tell people I went to school in a foreign country. I went to Nebraska and I went to a small NAI school, no academic information available, Shadron state. So I was, uh, I was playing overseas and uh, I ran into my old high school coach and Joel Bailey, the guy that cut me my junior year, right? Uh, and he said, hey, Dave, you know, why don't you come in and uh, speak at my camp next week? Uh, I said, what am I going to do? Just do your workout. And I used to do a whole ball handling thing, you know, Pete Maravich drills, oh, yeah. you, know, the, you know, the bullet ricochet, pretzel, you know, figure eight, and all that patty cake. And, and then I used to do pass it again because I didn't have a toss back. I used to use a wall and I used to, you know, pass it. And then I did my shooting and uh, – He's like, you know, why don't you come in? I said, great. And uh, so I did that, you know, and I made a few dollars. I said, this is pretty good. I'm getting my work done. I got paid. There was a coach there from Annapolis High School. And he said, I'm having a camp next week. You want to come in? I said, sure. So I'm still playing overseas at the time. But in the summer, I started doing local camps. And when I Loyola uh, High School, you know, a lot of teams that I played against in high school. And I said, this is pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, when uh, I came back, uh, when I stopped playing uh, professionally, I started coaching at my old junior college where I went and I started uh, telling people, I said, look, give me an hour. Give me. And if you like what I do, hire me next year. So I started, I did a ton of camps for nothing because nobody knew who I was. I didn't play in the NBA. I didn't go to a big school, you know? And uh, so when I came back, I did it. And I'll never forget uh, Jeff Van Gundy was actually the grad assistant at Rutgers. Bob Wenzel was the coach. And I went in, and I did my lecture. And uh, after I was done, uh, Coach Van Gundy took me into Coach Wenzel's office and he said, uh, we got three more weeks of camp. We want you each week and we're going to pay you for the next three weeks. So and from that point on, I, I made a brochure and I just had like where I had spoken at. And I started getting coaches quotes and everything. And, uh, you know, and I was coaching at Juco at the Juco for a while. And I always recruited kids that could shoot. And I said, like, you know, if you're not playing hard or playing D, I'll get the other guy. He can shoot too. But if he gives me more effort, he's going to play ahead of you. You know, I yeah. have guys that could shoot, but we shot the ball well and everyone thought I had a magic formula, but I recruited guys that could shoot. And uh, 
so we did well. And then, at, you know, teams at the time back then, colleges still could bring people in to work with them. Now they got so many rules and regulations. They can't bring in like outside coaches and stuff. But um, I had started doing that. And I'm like, I could make the go with it. So uh, I started going in, started, you know, working with kids at high school levels. So eventually they became college players. And then uh, I got hired uh, by Arn Tellum. Uh, from the pump brothers who were good friends with Arn and I started working out the pro guys, getting ready for pre-draft camps. And uh, I've been fortunate to, you know, uh, work a lot of, you know, hall of famers now and NBA all-stars. And, uh, you know, I tell people, uh, I, used to, I got Kobe Bryant ready for his pre-draft camps and uh, worked within the first four years uh, of the league, you know, uh, and uh, I tell kids, you know, it's been a double-edged sword working with Kobe because, you know, he, not only was he a great player, but he was probably one of the greatest listeners ever. Like, I mean, when you said you got to do this, he like looked at you, his eyes like burned a hole in you. Like, tell me what I got to do, coach. Show me, tell me, I want to be the greatest player ever. Wasn't like giving you lip service. Like, you right, coach, walking away. Like, yeah, you right, you know, just giving you lip yeah. service. And, uh, you know, I had told Lauren, I didn't think Kobe was ready for the NBA. And he struggled. I mean, people forget he shot four air balls in the Western Conference Finals, but that didn't phase the kid. And uh, I'll tell you a great story. You had gone to the pump camp, the West Coast All-Star camp. So one year I'm out there and I'm, I'm the guest speaker. And I had to go up to uh, Coach Lavin, Steve Lavin's father's camp to speak up up north. And uh, Kobe called me and he goes, I heard you're out in California. I want to work out. And I, Why don't you call me? I said, I don't know where you're at in the summertime, whether you're in California or Philadelphia. He goes, well, I want to work out tomorrow. I said, well, I got an early morning flight. I got to go up to the Bay Area. Kobe goes, well, I got to go to Philly tomorrow. I goes, can we get in the gym at 5.30? So I go to security at Cal State. To me. He goes, we can't open a gym up for the kids. I said, it's for Kobe. Oh, we'll get the gym open. So, you know, <laughs> so, you know, quarter after five, Kobe's already there, ready to go. And, you know, we went and got the workout in. He took me to the airport. I went up north. He went back east. But, like, what I tell kids with Kobe, we never spent – a lot of time on multiple moves. Now, what Kobe did, he mastered each move individually because his yeah. big thing was, I can't predetermine what I'm going to do on you, Dan. I can't say I'm going to hit you with through the leg behind the back. What if you? What if I go through my leg and you're you're where I'm at when I'm going behind? The back? Everything's reactionary. Yes, you know, and it's like, but he mastered every single thing, and now he could react to whatever you had to do because he did it. And the thing with Kobe, like. Even if we said, okay, you got to make 25 from his spot, he might make 75 from that spot because he was like, coach, they all didn't feel the same. They didn't feel right. Whereas a lot of guys just want to get through the workout. Like, yeah. oh, okay, well, let's get to the next spot. He was like, nah, nah. He goes, not that something did not feel right. He was a lot about feel how it felt till it like, like, you know, felt everyone felt the same. And, you know, you watch guys. I mean, I still do a lot of shot evaluation with guys. I mean, some guys, you think 10 different people shot the basketball. They do yeah. something different every time. And you're like, what is going on here? But that goes back to the point you made about the footwork with the, the one, two or the quick stop is what I call it, or left, right, yeah. right, left. And uh, then sure. narrow versus wide base. If, if you start off at the beginning of your shot, the whole thing is different right. every single time. And so sure. I, that's such a good point. Yeah. My, my quick Kobe story is I prided myself as being a hard worker. I would never have gotten to be able to play six years in the NBA without sure. having that drive. But mm -hmm. I, there was one particular road trip. A lot of times I would take a taxi over early 
to right, get extra right. work in before the yeah. first bus went. And it was a road trip. I think I was with the Blazers. We were at Staples. I'm feeling good about myself thinking, hey, I'm walking onto the Staples Center floor at 430. I got two right. ball boys as passers, not rebounders, right? right? Go, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I look over there on the other end. Kobe's just finishing his workout. And so this is like 430, 440 for a 730 game. And now those are the kind of details that separate um, a guy like Kobe who had the athleticism, the drive, but then he he was willing to put in the work to be great at the level. Yeah, that's it. And like, uh, you know, there's a story of Alan Stein. He's a friend of mine. Alan used to be a strength and conditioning coach in uh, the math. And he went to Montrose Christian. He's written a couple books, uh, Raise Your Game. And yeah, I've read that one. It's a great book. And now he just wrote a new one called Sustain Your Game. And he tells the story about when he was working Kobe Bryant Skills Academy for Nike camp. You know, they bring all the college kids as counselors and all that. He goes, I'm work, I'm gonna work Kobe Bryant's camp because Kobe's the best player in the world. He's MVP, and I'm gonna work his camp. So he goes up to Kobe first day of camp. He goes, uh, Kobe, uh, you know, would you mind if I watched you work out? I heard so much about your workouts, I'd love to see you work out. Kobe goes, Yeah, no problem. 4 30 tomorrow. So Alan opens up his notebook, he goes, There's games at 4 30. Kobe goes, No, that's 4 30 in the morning. So Alan goes. <laughs> Alan goes, okay, so I get to the gym at quarter after four in the morning. And he says, I'm, you know, I got my gallon of Starbucks, you know, and Kobe's already in full drench and he's doing like his, you know, his stretching, his karaoke steps, ladder drills. And he goes, now he's got my, I got my notebook out. I'm sitting there. I got my pan. I'm guzzling my Starbucks. I'm going to watch the greatest player in the world, the MVP workout sat there he said he's sitting there he's got his notebook this is gonna be great kobe bryant sat there folded us up and said after an hour and 45 minutes he didn't take one note he said it was the most boring mundane basic workout he'd ever seen so he goes now this is eating at him so at lunchtime he goes up to kobe he says kobe you mind if i join you for lunch he says kobe said no go right ahead coach He's mind if I ask you a few questions? He says, go right ahead, coach. He goes, your workout was the most boring, mundane, monotonous, looked like a third, third grade, uh, you know, middle school team. It was nothing but basic fundamentals. And Kobe said, why do you think I'm the greatest player in the world? I never get bored of the basics and I never get tired of the fundamentals. And the thing is, Michael Jordan, 40 years old, he wasn't Air Jordan anymore, still got 20 a game. 15-foot jump shot, basic fundamentals. And another thing, uh, I'm good friends with Tim Grover. I used to do a college camp in Chicago at his gym. And, uh, you know, he's written a great book, uh, Relentless. And uh, and he was talking about what Kobe did. When Kobe would walk in, first thing, I'm not Kobe, Michael, excuse me. Uh, Michael would walk in to practice. And uh, first thing he did, he played catch. And coach said, why would he play catch? Isn't that first thing? He goes, I haven't mastered it yet. So what do you think the Chicago Bulls did every day? They played catch. You know, and hey, what'd you do last night? Did you watch that game last night? Boom, you know. Yeah. Debate, but the everyone see everyone just sees the polished finished product. Yes. They don't see the work that goes into that. Yeah. Like I tell kids, I was in Boston up um oh it was before it was uh Columbus, not Columbus, uh yeah, Columbus Day weekend, October. I was up there and I was I was working a couple kids out and I was watching this uh AAU group or middle school, and the kids are all trying to be Jason Tatum, right? And I said, do you realize that's Jason Tatum's shot? And he only makes it 34% of the time. And that's his shot. <laughs> I said, so what? And he's supposed to be the best at the best at, you know, one of the best. 
I said, so what are your chances of making that shot? You know, and like you said, they didn't know James Harden put in the 10,000 hours, the 10,000 reps with it and stuff. And, you know, it just, and you just like, look at it. And uh, I went to watch a game the other day with my buddy, his son was playing. It was an eighth grade team. First kid got the ball on the wing. He went through his legs three times, crossed over twice, threw his legs into a step back and got a shot blocked. I said, I, I'm not going to be able to watch much more of it. Though. But, yeah, there's a, there's a part of me because I, I coach my son's groups. My oldest boy is now a freshman in high school. Oh, great. Um, and so I'm kind of hands off. I just watch yep. and enjoy and support. But sure. I coached him all the way through. I'll coach him in AAU. But, you know, it, it's funny when you see – and, and with my knowledge and experience, and I hear some of the comments about, oh, that was a great move. Yeah. Well, how, but you missed the shot. How was it a great yeah. move? Because right. when you go back to right. the stuff you were talking about, the footwork sure. was off. Yeah. You were twisted in the wrong direction. You might right. have created separation, but yeah. the shot had no chance to go in. Right. And it's it's funny. I have uh, I have a clip uh, from one of the trainers. He used to be a former camper of mine. And uh, he goes, this is what we work on. It's uh, Malik Monk. And they got, I don't even know what some of these terms are, split, split leg, float dribble, side, I don't know. So it's got all these terminology. Well, anyway, Reeves is in the corner, shot ready, hands are ready. He's like this year, right? Yeah. Now I'm showing this, I show this, I, I have it on my phone. I show it to all the kids. I says, tell me what you see here. Oh, that's a dope move. I said, what about the guy that's been in the corner? Yes. So anyway, I, and like he, and he like had all his guys, this is what we work on. Uh, you know, and uh, the push, drag, float, dribble, slide, step, step back. And I'm like, how about hashtag pass the effing ball to the guy? Yes. Like, so the thing is, like, then finally he's doing all this. Finally, you see his, his defender, the Reeves defenders in the and uh, Reeves is wide open the corner. You finally see a head peek out. That guy was down at the box. That's how far away he was. And Monk never gave him. The Monk makes the shot. And I went to look at the game to see, okay, maybe they ran an ISO. He, they wanted him to get the last shot at the game. Well, they were losing that game by 28 points, the Lakers. And I said, this is why they're losing by 28. I mean, and then what's going to happen the next time you don't get, you're not going to be shot ready. You're going to be like, yeah, you're, you're just going to be like, well, I'm not going to see the ball. And then that's, that's when you do get it because the guy probably doesn't have, but it's just like, you know, I'm trying to like, I tell kids, I'm trying to simplify the game. I said, you got all of this stuff to, and I get kids, and high school varsity players, they don't know the four pivots. Oh, uh, you probably know the Tate's Lock box drill. That's, a, oh, yeah. that's the foundation for, for drills that I – workouts that I do with yes. my son's Tate's, groups. Uh, Tate's is a very uh, good friend of mine, great coach, basketball mind. And uh, we used to go over to China. We used to go with the all, Nike All-Asia camp every year. And uh, Tate's is great. And if you ever get a chance – to get his book, it's out of print now, but it's called Caught in the Net, Tate's Lock. He wrote a book about when he was at Clemson. I'm making a note of that right now, so yeah. absolutely. Yeah, hey. fine. probably going to have to, like, uh, eBay it because it's, like, out of print and everything, you know, but it's a, it's a great book, you know, and, uh, you know, Tate Tate's is a great, great basketball mind, you know. Without a doubt. Yeah, the, that's one of the most basic yet simple and effective drills yeah. that I've ever come across. It hits right. everything, balance, yeah. footwork, yeah. jab step moves, because sure. you can I, uh, build upon it. I always, uh, you know, like I said, I'm trying to simplify things. You know, as you get older, you want to, you know, simplify your life. You know, uh, 
grandparents, parents downsize their houses, you know, get rid of stuff that you really don't need. You know, you, as you get older, you hopefully get wiser. But uh, when I'm lecturing, I always say to the kids, I says, you know, one of my favorite all time players is none other than two time MVP back to back. One of the great point guards, a member of the 180 club. I said, you know what the 180 club is? That's where you make 90%, 50, 40. Nobody did it better than Steve Jobs, man. I love him. He's coaching the Brooklyn Nets. And the kids are like laughing. I said, what's wrong? They said, you said Steve Jobs. I said, who's he? He goes, Apple. I said, good, you are listening to me. That's who I'm really <laughs> talking about. I said, I'm not talking about Steve Nash. I'm actually talking about Steve Jobs and what he said. He said, the hardest thing in the world to do are the simplest acts over repeatedly. And I said, what's the most popular handheld device in the world? It's the Apple iPhone, right? And I said, then go back. I said, my, one of my favorite European point guards, Leonardo da Vinci, Italian national team. I, go on. I said, you know what he said in 1486? Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. But we try to complicate things instead of like saying, you know, it's all, all oh, it's sexy and flashy, but then the kid can't make a 15 footer, you know, and, uh, and then, like I say the same thing, I get these guys, they do all this ball handling in front of a chair while the chair doesn't move. And I do a thing with kids and they're, they're, they tell me they're really good ball handlers. I say, okay. I said, start on the baseline. Okay. Now, now a lot of coaches say, okay, I want, you'll put cones down and you got to call Well, the cones don't move and stuff. Right. So or, you know, okay, I want you to go to free throw line, cross over from right to left, get to midcourt, cross from left to right. So what I do, I said, I want you to start on the baseline. We're going to go for a minute up and down the court, but you're going to do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it. So I want you to start left hand, high and hard, take off, take off, speed dribble, retreat dribble, through the leg, behind the back. And all of a sudden the ball's all over the gym. I said, you thought you said you're a great dribbler. I said, there's no defense, there's no defense on you right now, but now it's got to be, and it's not predetermined. Once again, you go back to, you know, like Kobe said, why am I going to do something I may never do? Like, you want me to do this 70 times? I never did. And a great uh, Gilbert Arenas, when I was with the Wizards, and uh, like I said, I used to work Gilbert out when he was a kid, you know, in high school out in the Valley and stuff. And, they, and uh, you know, and then he ended up, you know, having a great career until he got hurt. I mean, he was like unstoppable. So I was with him in, with the Wizards, but he had been hurt. And, uh but he was telling a story about Dwayne Wade. You said the pullback where we drive it with a long stride. Yeah. And he used to pull it back through his legs. It wasn't a step back. It was a pullback. Mm -hmm. And and Gilbert goes, I thought that move was dope. He goes, I worked all summer on that. He goes, I shot it a hundred thousand times. I took it twice the next season. He said, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole lot of wasting of time. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's what he's saying. Like with with like, you know, that was his point with like the trainers. He said they spend 98% of the time working on something. You're gonna do less than two percent at a time. That was his uh thing. Do you ever listen to his uh thing, Chill Gill? I've watched a, a, a few clips here and there, and, I, I and I played. You're right. With the, he, unfortunately, he had some knee issues and he got yeah. hurt. But yeah. he had the yeah. the amazing blend of speed, strength, and what yeah. I call just don't yeah. care about anything. Not give right. up, Not, you know, right. Not, and just yeah. play. Yeah, and he had he had great length too. I mean, he you know yeah. he had long arms and everything. So and you yeah. know it was interesting. Um, I had. Uh, when he turned pro, I was working for Dan Fagan, God rest his soul. And I had, uh, I had Gilbert, Jason Richardson and uh, Troy Murphy. And they all got drafted that year by golden state. And I was working them out and, you know, 
Gilbert ended up being a second round pick, but they changed that uh, that rule because he got paid after two years. The yeah. Wizards signed him, and uh, you know he was he was devastated when he got you know when he didn't get drafted. So I said, Gilbert, thirty teams passed on you. you let's use that to fuel your motivation, right? So I said, you know, he was going to go to K State originally. And then he blew up in, uh, you know, AAU uh, summer circuit. And then, you know, Lute Olsen got him and everything. And I said to him, you know, because I've known Gilbert since he was 14. I said, hey, Gil, when did you think, you know, you were a pro player? And he goes, well, you know, when I got to Arizona, we're playing pickup ball. And I'm scoring easily. But he goes, I thought maybe they were letting me do that. You know, and then when practice started, they would just like lock me up and everything. And he goes, and then I was doing well. And then he made like uh, the preseason NIT, you know, they used to do that preseason NIT made the all tournament team on that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Gilbert uh, and like, there's another guy, you know, people don't realize, you know, the time that these guys put in, you know, um, Gilbert did a, uh, he, he was doing a thing. He was going to do a hundred thousand makes in the summer when he's coming back from a knee injury. That's when I got hired with, uh, with uh, the wizards and stuff. And, uh, you know, he, it's unfortunate he never got, got it right. He had like more problems with that knee and everything. So, but, but, uh, when he was, uh, you know, Hibachi was, uh, yeah, he was when he was right, he was, he was a handle in that, that for me, that was my weekend of the floor, the defensive end. Um, and so yeah. I had to cover him on occasion and that was not fun. Uh, it was almost right. like put me on an island and let him go. It was like, no, I need help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me ask you this because, you, you're a guy that, sh- you know, go, goes across the world with shooting presentations. You break down shots left and right. Who are the – give me the three best shooters that you have seen and why. Um, well, Clay Thompson, I just think, you know, form-wise, he's so efficient. He doesn't have any wasted motion in his shot. I mean, like, you know, he's shot ready, does a great job of with his finish and everything, and he's not like, you know, not a guy dribbling. Uh, you know, steps at the top of us just because he can do so many things. Like when Steph first came, he wasn't a good finisher. He's a great finisher around the house. And like I tell people, this is you're watching him all the time, what he's doing with the ball. Watch him without the ball. I mean, he creates so many open shots. I was watching him the other night. Otto Porter went crazy. It was when I think they played Phoenix. It was the Phoenix game. And Otto and Steph didn't have a great shooting game. And but he just creates so much attention. And when he cuts, he cuts so hard. Like most kids, like, oh, I'm not going to get the ball. They just walk through the lane. When you cut hard, you occupy two, three defenders. You yes. know, and he, you, know, you got it. You got to, you know, honor his cuts. And, uh, you know, just his touch around the basket. He can shoot it off the dribble, uh, you know, catch it. His range is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, when the guy walks in the gym, he's in his range. You figure, you know, guy that, that size wouldn't have the range that he does. But, uh and uh, and then, you know, uh, Ray Allen and people, you know, just remember Ray from his like uh, Miami days. They forget how athletic he was. Oh, in Milwaukee, but, he was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, he you know, he was, you know, he could shoot it off the bounce. He had a nice, uh, you know, post up game could finish, jump out of the gym. He's actually coaching down in Florida now over in Miami. He's a Gulliver's uh, prep. And I talk to Ray every now and then. And uh, funny thing is, you know with the camp circuit. Um, I used to always speak at coach Calhoun's camp at UConn and uh, coach used to always have me spend the whole day. So like if I would lecture at one o'clock, you know, I'd get there early in the morning, I'd work with the kids and wanted a gym. Then I'd speak, work with some others. And then at night, so I would always be working with the kids and uh, 
you know, and Ray, Ray's heard me speak a number of times and I worked Ray out, you know, even, uh, you know, when he was in the NBA and everything. And, uh, you know, Ray still has a house up in Connecticut. And, like some nights, some days I'd be speaking to camp and coach, I have 600 kids at camp. Ray Allen sitting like in the front row. I'm like, Ray, what are you doing here? He goes, because if I pick up one thing more, I might never miss. Like, you know, great shooters are always like, yeah. like, like you said, you listen, you know, cause you're a shooter, you know, you pay attention. Guys that can't shoot, they're the hardest to like to get through. Like when I uh, got hired with the Wizards, uh, Brendan Haywood was a 53% foul shooter. And I said he was a foul shooter, not a free throw shooter, a foul shooter. Foul <laughs> means thinking rotten, nasty, no good. I don't shoot foul shots, I tell kids. So foul shooter, Andre Drummond, you know, Dwight Howard, Shaq, foul shooters. I said, you don't want to be one of them, you know? So I said to Brendan, I said, you're going to shoot 75% this year from the line. He was like, All right. I said, you should be hugging me right now. You're already trying to fight me. He shot 73.6 for the year. Yeah. Wow. That's a heck but of an improvement. It is. But, you know, the, I, I we, we built the trust factor. And I, I just said, Brendan, just trust me. I said, if you fail, I fail. That's the way I said, you're not you're not in this alone. This is with me. So we we uh, we would uh, make a little wager every month that he was over 75 percent. I take him to dinner every month under 75. So we actually played on Halloween and uh he was four for six. And I went in afterwards to 66%, Brendan. I said, that's dinner for me. He goes, that was one game. I said, it's one month. I said, tomorrow's November 1st. <laughs> I let, I let him slide on the first one. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, it was funny, uh, when he, uh, he ended up going out, he won a, a title with the Mavericks later in his career. He went out there and, uh, signed a huge contract and he was struggling in the playoffs and, uh, his confidence was down and, uh, you know, every game, you know, you're in the, the Western conference finals and everything. And he's like, man, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, so he goes, can you come out? I said, Brendan, I said, it's the playoffs. I said, you check with coach Carlisle. I said, I'll come out for you, but I don't want to be like doing anything behind. Cause I've been on both sides of the thing. I've been on a staff, sure. you know, outside guys come, Hey, we have a staff here. I said, you check with him. So and I know I've known Coach Carlisle for years. And uh, so Coach Carlisle said, Brendan, you could bring in a witch doctor at this point. I wouldn't care. So <laughs> I went out there. I went out there. We were working out. And uh, Brendan went uh, He went three for five. And then he uh, hurt his uh, hip flexor, you know, in the playoffs and stuff. So my wife goes, three for five? I said, well, he, I said he was shooting 30%. I said, you know, he, he doubled up. But uh, he, he got hurt. And uh, – you know, and then play the rest of the series and stuff. But, uh, you know, I ended up, you know, he had such a, you know, a trust factor with me and everything. And, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, had a great, great improvement. And then my second year with the Wizards, he broke his wrist, you know, uh, in preseason. And he only played the last six games of the, of the year. So. And part of that would be, I would attribute, uh, as a former player, a lot of it is confidence. You kind of alluded to it there. You can yeah, have great true. confidence, poor mm-hmm. mechanics, right. but if no. you repeat it over and over again, yeah. you can still be a great shooter. Yeah. I look at maybe a Peja Stojakovic falling into that category. Who's right. the best shooter that you've seen that when you see their mechanics, you're like, man, that's not great, but I'm not going to touch well, it because it goes. You know, I, like I, said, I used to work Orrin Tellum's guys there. Reggie Miller was a perfect example. I used to work Reggie. I said, I'm not touching that. I mean, Reggie fouled himself, but I'm not. The thing is, like, what I really look at, though, is does that person have a repeatable shot? Yes. You know, like Sean Marion had that flip, but it was 
it was repeatable. It wasn't all of a sudden any extended pulley one time, you know? And that's like, I, I tell everyone, nobody has the perfect shot. There's certain things, you know, your elbow should be underneath the ball and so forth. But like I said, you want to have a repeatable shot. You know, like when you shoot it, I should be able to say, you know, that's Reggie Miller shooting the ball. You know, Reggie didn't do 10 different things every time he shot the ball. You know, was that was his shot. That was his signature shot. But like so you watch some of these guys are like all over the place. I mean, I see guys shoot from the corner and they're like, they're, they're out of the picture when they land. Where, where do you go? And he's like down towards the cheerleaders on the baseline or the camera. How did he get over there? And that's uh, one of the things that I do, like, like when we do spot shooting, I always tell guys, string it out. Like, so when you make your last one, string it out. Because how many times, like, say, okay, we're make 10, go to the next spot, Dan, right? You make yep. nine in a row on a 10th one, you're, 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 yeah. you go to the next spot. You didn't do that on your first nine, right? And, and end up, it's more motion. So I always tell the guy, like, say you, it's your 10th one. Maybe you made eight in a row. Now you made your next two. I say string it out. So that stops the person from, like, being in a rush to get to the next spot. Shoot, stay, then react, I always tell them. Yeah. You know? And 100%. you see so many guys shooting, and they're, like, they're shooting, and they're added they're out of the picture as soon as they shoot the ball. They land, and they're, where'd they go, you know? When you like defense that much, you're already heading back, you know. It's and that goes to that first point you talked about building a great shot is the the balance right. in the footwork. Mm-hmm. Hey coach, I appreciate all the time. I got one last thing for you. Sure. I know I follow you on social media. Yeah. Uh, hopefully our paths cross at some point um where yeah. I can see one of the shooting presentations in person. But if anybody's listening to this wants to find a way to get you uh to, to be a part of one of their clinics or camps, how would they do that? Um, they can email me at uh, dhopla99 at gmail. That's D-H-O-P-L-A at uh, 99 at gmail. Or uh, they can go to my website, davehopla.com. And that has a link where you can get into me and so forth. Uh, reach me. Uh, I'm not the biggest on social media. I, I mean, my uh, I do have a, I tell kids I have facelift, you know, snap dust, cyber chat, LinkedIn, TikTok. <laughs> You know, I change all the names, Insta Leader, you know, and I tell them it's all metric. But uh, I do have an Instagram thing as well. And uh, Twitter, you can reach me on Twitter and stuff. So but uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a great year. And, uh, you know, I do get out uh, every now in the summertime. I do get some time out on the West Coast. Uh, I've actually been up to Washington State a few times. I actually used to go up to uh uh, back when Scalabrini was at Highline Community College with Quincy yeah. Wilder, with uh, what's his name? Joe Catalino was the uh, Joe, Joe Calero. Yep, Calero. Joe Calero. They had a great uh, couple year run, and, and then Quincy and and yes. Cal went was, to USC. Yeah, I was uh, good friends with uh, Mike Burns, who's now uh, uh, Boise State. He was on this podcast about three months ago. Great guy. Uh, that's my guy. And John Dunn was the athletic director. Did you know John? I don't now, because I used to go, you know, the pumps used to have those uh, top 100s all over. They used to do them in yes. Seattle and uh, out in Denver and stuff. And uh, they used to take me on all that. So I started meeting all the people and, uh, you know, uh, Price Johnson, uh, a good friend of mine, used to do stuff uh, with Hoopaholics was his uh, his uh, brand name. And so, yeah, forth. his uh, Price you know and James Price, are right? still running. Yep. I know that family yeah. well. They're still running yeah. AAU tournaments. Uh, on the yeah. West Coast, they do a really nice job with, this, with great, the tournament. That's great. So, But uh, that'll be super. So I appreciate you having me on. 
Absolutely. Thanks again. And, and you know what? Right. I learned so much in this, you know, 45 minutes. I, I told you I was going to try to keep it to about 20. Oh, that's not, that's no so problem. many great stories and info. We had to run long. Yeah. We'll and, have to uh, do it again. Yeah. And uh, anytime you got, you got my info, give me a call or whatever. And uh, I really appreciate it. And hope Absolutely. to see, uh, see, you, uh, see your squad, see your son play. How, Sounds how good. Thanks a lot. Happy New Year. All right. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.